What's up, y'all? This is Baratunde. I got an email from Jason Calacanis this evening. Well, probably many thousands of people got that email. And I read it, and I tweeted uh, the tweet link inside of it to share it with other people. It was about what he would do if he were CEO of Twitter. And in response to my tweet, someone named Infobon uh, wrote, I'll wait for Jason to crank out an audiobook. And Jason responded, because reading 2,000 words is so hard. Hashtag 2015, hashtag millennials. So I decided I'll just crank out the audio version of this for Infobon on behalf of Jason at no one's request um, because I'm willing to go that far with a joke. So here we go. Uh, This is the latest email from Jason Calacanis as read by Baratunde Thurston. What I would do if I were CEO of Twitter, a seven-part plan. I was on CNBC Monday talking about who would be the next CEO of Twitter. On that hit, I explained why Adam Bain is the next CEO. I thought I would expand upon my thoughts on Twitter in this 2,000-word essay because it seems no one else has any thoughts. At the end of the day, Wall Street ran Twitter's CEO out despite my piece explaining why this would be a mistake back in January. Reader's note... Uh, Yes, Jason has expressed uh, an idea that Wall Street did something despite his uh, advice. I don't know if Wall Street usually does what Jason uh, advises publicly, but this is something worth digging into, maybe in another audio exploration of the world of Jason Calacanis. Uh, Then there's an entry to click to tweet, and he lets you know you can edit the tweet before you send it, which is great because it's not really click to tweet. It's sort of click to stage tweet, and then you press the button. I like that. That's very good user empathy, Jason, or whoever designed this for you. Uh, back to the essay. Technically, Dick Costello, that is. He's just called him the CEO by his first name without putting his last name. Technically, Dick Costello resigned and is leaving next month, ending his five-year run as the CEO of one of the five greatest Internet companies ever created, Google Yahoo, Facebook, and Amazon lead that group. Here is what I would do if I were CEO of Twitter. Or, said another way, here is what Adam should do. Number one, explain to Wall Street explicitly that Twitter is not Facebook. Wall Street keeps comparing Twitter to Facebook, hoping that Twitter will become less complex, less intimidating, and more accessible to common folk. These analysts on Wall Street are wickedly smart when it comes to grouping and analyzing things, but in the case of Facebook and Twitter, this is a huge mistake. Twitter's users, the ones who are logged in and contributing content to the service, are the politicians, celebrities, business leaders, and journalists in the world who drive massive consumption of culture by passive, non-logged-in users. On Facebook, everyone is a celebrity of their own lives, which is exceptionally boring to everyone on the planet, except maybe the dozen or so people who are part of that life. That's why on Facebook, the trending stories in your feed are birth announcements, and on Twitter, it's what you're going to read in the New York Times and TMZ tomorrow. Uh, Readers note, I buy that. I really, they're very distinct environments, and I just say, uh, double plus good on that one, Mr. Calacanis. Let us keep reading your words. Number two, steady growth is good growth, and the Reddit paradox. Twitter has grown exactly 5-10% to 10% quarter over quarter since inception. The fact that it has not tanked, been disintermediated, 
or otherwise copied is due to the small miracle of network effects and Dick's steady hand. Again, that's CEO, Dick Costello, with whom Jason is on a first name writing an email on public basis. Back to the words. While the analysts might want to see dramatic action to run Twitter from 300 million to 1 billion users, there's a strong case that doing so would drive away Twitter's already brilliant community. Uh, Reader's note, as an aside, I like to think that uh, I am a part of that brilliant community, so thank you, Jason, for calling me brilliant. I like compliments, vague and indirect though they may be. You can just tell me to my face you think I'm brilliant. You don't have to write like an extra 1,999 words about Twitter CEO in order to just give Baratunde here a compliment. But, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Back to your words. This is the so-called Reddit paradox. This growth from 300 million to 1 billion, by the way, in, in full. Sorry, I'm laughing. I just got the text message that popped up and it made me laugh. So, again, I'm not getting paid for this. I promised no one I would do this except myself and you who are now listening. So I can interrupt this as much as I want. It's the Baratunde paradox of voluntarily reading someone else's newsletter out loud in public asynchronously. Okay. This is the so-called Reddit paradox in full effect. Live by your core community. Die by your core community. In Reddit's case, they've built a huge, engaged community of primarily highly intelligent, technically savvy, and frequently precocious boys. It's mainly male to a scale no one believed would ever be possible. And then you put the most polarizing female figure in Silicon Valley in charge of it? In the middle of the highest profile sexism case in our lifetimes. How is that working out for Reddit? Can Ellen Powell convince a large portion, but not all, of the core users who have defined Reddit for the past decade to stop their gallows humor in the comments, their politically incorrect pugnaciousness, their hilarious and sometimes scary criticism of people and their obsession with porn? Sure she can. Insert facepalm meme here saying, Ellen Powell, the fearless leader, read it once. Now, I'm not saying all Reddit users are angry young men, but those folks sure do dominate the conversation and create, for better or worse, the backbone of the system. I'm not endorsing these folks or any of their behavior, but on a pragmatic business basis, if you drive out this fiery contingent, I think the whole system collapses. Everyone knows that game of Reddit is in a never-ending struggle to deal with how far anonymous users can push freedom of speech and offensiveness. Don't search for dead baby on Reddit. Racism? Easy to ban in a conference room. Now explain to the customer support team how to deal with jokes by Chris Rock and Louis C.K. about race. Dead babies? Easy to ban in the conference room. Now explain to the customer support team how to deal with the real EMS subreddit where folks on ambulances deal with horrible moments of death, including babies. Bottom line, building communities is hard, killing communities is easy. In Twitter's case, you have the most important and powerful people in the world in your network, like the reader here, geeking out all day long. These same people do not participate in Facebook at all. Case in point, Facebook board member Mark Andreessen, who does 140 plus tweets per day, 10x my insane average, and who you never see on Facebook. If your plan is to out-Facebook Facebook by dumbing down Twitter, well, you're an idiot who doesn't understand Twitter. This doesn't mean that Twitter can't make it to 1 billion users, or that Twitter can't be easier to use. It just means that Twitter's complexity, in the form of having to curate your feed, is necessary to get the result. A perfectly tuned feed by you, not Mark Zuckerberg. 
All right, going to pause for reader comment. The whole Ellen Powell thing and why Reddit is undergoing these strains. Uh, I feel like Reddit has been undergoing strains for far longer than Ellen Powell has been over there. Also, I didn't even know she was over there until I read this by Jason. So I got industry news and his uh, maybe hyperbolic opinion in one fell swoop. What I take mostly from this, building communities is hard, killing communities is easy. That is the truth. As someone who used to run a political blog where things got tense, uh, I can tell you it took us years and years and years to build that up and just a few months, uh, in some cases, to lose some goodwill over a few incidents. It's a pain in the ass. People are a pain in the ass. As the president, communities suck. All right, number three, singles and doubles by M&A all day. This will add 25 to 100 million plus users per year. Uh, Vine and Periscope have been material acquisitions for Twitter. These two products are driving tens of millions of users per month. These two startups were certainly not billion-dollar acquisitions. They were not even hundreds of millions. They were probably tens of millions. Twitter is awesome at buying stuff because founders love Twitter. Selling your startup to Twitter is super exciting, and when you do, you get a massive lift from Twitter's ability to integrate with a network featuring the most powerful people in the world. He all caps that one. This dude really likes me. In the weeks after Vine and Periscope launched, you have massively important people like, say, Hillary Clinton and Obama creating accounts. Now, you're probably asking, you keep talking about important people being the crucial of Twitter's success, but Twitter shouldn't be successful with only them. Isn't that why the CEO was pushed out? That's correct, and the issue is twofold. First, you must recognize that breaking Twitter would be a huge, huge misstep. So success is defined not as growing Twitter, but as growing Twitter without breaking it. Second, video is primarily a passively enjoyed phenomenon. Most folks have never uploaded a YouTube video, yet 1 billion plus folks watch videos on YouTube each month. So getting video cranking at Twitter could propel the service to 1 billion members. Uh, Alright, so my take on this one. Uh, the idea of these startups benefiting from plugging into Twitter's graph Yes, uh, a vote check plus on that one. Uh, the idea that video gets you to a billion users, maybe, doesn't sound super crazy. I'm just not sure. Um, so I'm just going to keep reading and not killing this because I'm going to take an hour at this rate. Uh, number four is a Hail Mary Q&A. That's okay. This will add 100 million plus users in a quarter. So basically, if you haven't gotten the rhythm, it helps to see this. Jason's offering like particular advice to satisfy Wall Street's demand to get to a theoretical billion users, which is the Facebook mark, in a way that won't also destroy Twitter. So I like the exercise. I really do. Actually, reading it out loud is making me think about it differently. I may just start a podcast where I read my Instapaper account to y'all. Uh, okay, so this is number four, the Hail Mary Q&A. There are a dozen companies you could make a run at that might, keyword might, make sense to Twitter. Snapchat would be very hard to make work, but boy, would a merger of these two brands be powerful. You get Generation C and half the millennials with Snapchat, and you get the other half the millennials, all of Gen X, and half the boomers with Twitter. That is amazing generation market share math, by the way. Um, and I just learned that there's a thing called Generation C. I'm clearly like a boomer, I guess, at this point, or I'm, I'm the greatest generation. I'm going to put myself in that one because how do you even get called that? That's not fair. 
Uh, back to Jason. A full generational stack across two nine-figure social networks. Twitter's massive head start on monetization and Snapchat's massively clever product chops. Wow, that would be a very, very powerful combination. And you don't have to combine these businesses. C.5, a house of brands. Sites like Reddit and Pinterest. So let me pause on this Twitter, Twitter chat. Snap, snapper? Snap Twitter. Snapter. Snapter. It's like a new Jurassic Park creature. Uh, so the Snapter is deadly. They're so fundamentally different. Like Snapchat is ahistorical. Twitter is nothing but history. Like people get fired over their Twitter history. And that's why folks go to Snapchat. So the very premise of the architecture behind each is so different. I don't know that a meaningful merger in terms of product integration could ever, ever happen. To his other point about a house of brands, that's the only way. They have to be so distinct um, and governed separately, too, because you would lose user trust if there was ever a fear that Twitter-like history would start living in a Snapchat-like world. And I don't know, maybe Snapchat has to abandon that auto-delete shit, because there's some really cool stories I put out there that maybe I don't want to just disappear in 24 hours. Um, But I feel like the 24-hour deletion on Snapchat is like the 140 characters of Twitter. You fundamentally change that, and you fundamentally change the underlying product uh, for the worse. And certainly you would destroy the community you've already built by doing so, to use Jason's words, uh, kind of against him here. All right, back to him. His other um, Hail Mary M&A is for sites like Reddit and Pinterest, which have monetization and strategy issues of their own. Uh, that would also make sense. The chance, the chances of any of these three cutting a deal would be in the low single digits, which means you should explore it. What if Evan from Snapchat decides, frack it, let's go bigger? I think he'd say, fuck it. Or the Reddit board says, frack it, we're not going to grow this much bigger without professional management. Let's take Twitter stock and move on. These types of moments happen. See AOL and Time Warner, YouTube and Google, etc. People make rash decisions all the time, for better or worse. Number five, a house of different brands sharing the same house. It's almost like a Luther Vandross song. Oz is a house of brands for growth. Oh my God, that actually works. I should do a cover song of that, or a mashup. Twitter should be a house of brands that share the same infrastructure, like publishers Condé Nast and Hearst, or media companies like Disney, Viacom, and Comcast. These collections of brands are able to manage diversity in management and process while getting some level of collaboration and shared services across businesses. Google is perhaps the master at this, having integrated YouTube into their massive ad network with great success. It's not easy, but it's not that hard. You just need to have the headspace and tolerance for ambiguity that managing many brands requires, something Condé Nast is great at. AOL under Tim was bad at it, and Google is getting good at it. Uh, Tim would be uh, Tim Armstrong, I believe. Uh, He's dropping these CEO first names. So those of us who aren't CEOs of major corporations hanging out at the same place at the same damn time may be a little confused. Number six, triple down on video. This could add 500 to 100 million plus users per year for the next 10 years. Uh, Not double down, triple down. Triple crown. Uh, Santa's Little Helper can win this. Whoever won the triple crown this year. Was it Santa's Little Helper? I feel like it was another one. Nope, that's a dog, a cartoon dog. Back to Jason. 
Right now, Twitter is letting folks load videos natively to the platform, finally, and they have Periscope, Vine, and unique video experiences. What Twitter doesn't have are robust permalink pages for video. Luckily, they can build these in a month by simply copying YouTube's already optimized platform. When you load a Twitter video landing page, it looks sparse, with no related videos, no subscribe button, and no comments or replies. When they add the basic video features like this and other blocking and tackling items like playlists and easy syndication, they will see a huge lift. YouTube's landing pages are not creator-friendly, it turns out, with access to your own subscribers being obscured by Google's algorithms, not to mention no ability to interact with your fans, which is Twitter's strength. Not to mention, if they start sharing revenue at a better deal than YouTube's 55-45 split, which leads to 0.7. Just a reader's note, when you say not to mention, and then you start mentioning things, you've undermined your not to mentions. Uh, Not to mention that, which I just mentioned. And uh, this idea of Twitter video... Yeah, I basically buy that. I basically buy, like, consuming video. Uh, Bitly actually tried something with video for a while that made consuming video on their platform much easier. Dig has done, um, made video easier to consume, and neither is nearly as big uh, a network of power as Twitter is. I could see myself clicking through video all day just on Twitter um, and not going to YouTube much at all because I would get videos from the feeds I already trust, uh, you know, feed-influenced uh, video, you know, kind of based on the thing people have already chosen. It's the, it's the ultimate TV replacement, possibly, uh, especially if I can just throw that then to my television, and now I'm watching Twitter TV. Boom! All right, we just invented something. All right, Twitter TV, you didn't call it that, Jason. I want a piece of this. Number seven, sharing revenue. Let's all get paid. This could increase video content by 100x. Twitter has yet to share revenue with their influencers. This is a huge mistake, and it would drive the service to heights no one can imagine right now. If Adam Bain lets Justin Bieber, Ellen, and the NBA keep 70% of the revenue from ads on their Twitter profile pages and native videos, the whole revenue picture changes. Worth noting, many celebrities are already monetizing Twitter through the side door by cutting deals with brands to hawk their goods. Imagine this was done by 1,000 salespeople at Twitter meeting with Madison Avenue, selling, quote, a hundred of the most important finance journalists, rappers, makeup artists in the world, end quote. Indie podcasters, <laughs> like this dude right here, YouTubers and professional rights holders would spend 100x the effort putting content onto Twitter if they split revenue. Getting YouTubers 70% of revenue would create the first viable competitor to YouTube ever. Finally. Now you're probably wondering, how is Twitter going to make money if they give away 70% of it? Great question. Easy answer. This is revenue that Twitter is not making yet. YouTube stars and most video creators are simply dropping their YouTube and Wistia links into Twitter, not uploading them to Twitter. This is 100% accretive revenue. Adam Bain is going to do this. And when he does, it's going to be huge. This is the main reason why he is the best CEO candidate. He can make the revenues go 20x and content published at a platform go 100x just by sharing. In closing, Adam is the man for the job. While I playfully named this piece what I would do in order to get you to read it, the truth is this piece is what Adam Bain is going to do. He's the obvious best candidate for the job, given his fingerprints are all over video, M&A, and the brilliant ad network Twitter has created. Twitter is a fantastic product and company. It's just not dialed in like Facebook yet. 
Setting Facebook as your competitor is like some skinny jump shooter picking LeBron James as his competition. It's laughable. However, the skinny jump shooter just sent the self-proclaimed world's greatest player and his talents on vacation and collected his first championship. Teams win championships, not individual players. Jordan had Pippen. Duncan had Parker. Curry had Iguodala. And, well, now it's Bane's turn to build his team. Best at Jason. And then he has a whole bunch of plugs, uh, several PSs for um, promoting his Bastille Day demo day party, uh, his podcast this week in startups is hiring an audio video director, uh, scale conference is coming up October 13th at Fort Mason MSF, and uh, he had a big round table on uh, this weekend startups with Benedict Evans of Andreessen Horowitz and Molly Wood of Marketplace on American Public Media, talking about all kinds of stuff, including Mad Max. So, yeah, that happened. <laughs> 21 minutes later, I've recorded a micro audiobook uh, for Infobon and anyone else who happens to click on things. That was kind of fun. Uh, I might as well put my own plug in. My name is Baratunde Thurston. I'm the co-host of a new podcast on the Panoply Network called Our National Conversation About Conversations About Race. We got me, a black dude, Raquel Cepeda, a Latina, Tanner Colby, a white guy, cutting it up twice a month uh, on the topic that keeps rocking America. And we do, in addition to the main episode, we do a B-side, which is entirely comprised of listener feedback and our responses to that feedback from the previous episode. So and essentially, we have a podcast, like me and you, because you could be a part of it. You could essentially be uh, a guest on the B-side of uh, About Race. Find out more at showaboutrace.com. Uh, I'm also the co-founder of Cultivated Wit. We make Comedy Hack Day, the world's greatest uh, and most hilarious hackathon with comedians and developers collaborating to build funny stuff. Uh, we are where comedy meets technology, so check us out at uh, cultivatedwit.com. Uh, and you can read my latest techie sounding words in Fast Company. I do the back page column uh, in Fast Company every month for the past two years. Uh, you can click through at my own website, baratunde.com, to find links to all this and more. Uh, and I'm Snapatunde on Snapchat, S-N-A-P-A-T-U-N-D-E. So check that out um, because I'm really having a good time on Snapchat. And you got to stay current because it disappears unless maybe Snapter gets created per Jason Calacanis recommendation number like uh, five, I think it was. All right. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this. I'm not committing to doing this ever again, but it might happen. And we could uh, see each other in the future in this medium. All right. Peace.